Yo, gang, before we get started with this week's episode, I want to encourage you to take a look at my social media this week because I've been working on something new and there's a big announcement coming. So listen to this episode. It's awesome. But make sure you tune in because I've been working on something as a big announcement and I really want all of you, especially you listening to this podcast who have supported me for so long to be a part of that. And I'm so appreciative of you listening. Seriously, love you all. Enjoy this episode. What's up? What's up, everyone? Welcome to another week of The GoLink Show. My name is Ben, the host and founder of GoLink. GoLink is a supportive community of growth junkies and life learners embracing weekly challenges. Each week, we find a new way to level up and learn something new. So it could be a cold shower, waking up at 5 a.m., a kind act, taking yourself on a date, journaling, meditating, various fitness activities, and much more. These challenges are inspired by mission-driven brands that align with our values. So if you're crazy like me and you love to level up and you're always looking for ways to evolve and grow and step into your fullest potential, then GoLink is just for you. Join us every week on social media to participate in these weekly challenges. Embrace the challenge with me at GoLink Group. The GoLink Show, this podcast, recounts experiences from life enthusiasts with a unique perspective. So they could be a mother, a teacher, business owner, coach, entrepreneur, somebody with many years of experience, or someone just stepping into their arena. Wherever they are in life's journey, we all have a story to tell. So we delve into the struggles that we come across during our journey. How do we find the will to make it through? What role does failure play in our lives? What tools and lessons have we learned from those difficult experiences? Let's talk about the process and not just the result. We discuss this and much more on the show. Thanks for tuning in. All right, y'all, get ready for the balded, <laughs> the bearded and the beautiful Jonathan Parker and you'll understand why you say that in a second um, and this episode is called Sing Hymns and Drink Beer because of a cool movement that he started and of course you'll get to hear more of that and man this dude has awesome relationship tips you know that he's learned communication in his marriage and how one question changed his life at age 30 basically thinking everyone else had a problem except him and subsequently went around asking people what's wrong with him so he can improve. <laughs> so I don't recommend that approach for you specifically, but it worked for him and we'll de delve into that. And of course, always some good classic inspiration and perspective to switch your own. So enjoy this week's episode with my man, Jonathan Parker. Let's go. Yo, all right, everyone, welcome to The Going Show. I'm with Mr. Jonathan Parker, bearded, bald, and beautiful. Yeah, bald, bearded, and beautiful. You got to go. You <laughs> go, go down. top. Bald, bearded, bearded and, beautiful. and beautiful. I don't know if they can see me, but it is. No, I'll do it. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Thanks for joining me, dude. Um, it's, this is cool just a few days before I leave Greenville, and I'm glad this worked because as soon as like I saw you speak, I definitely connected with you. Um, definitely because you're not afraid to communicate feelings. And right. Sometimes <laughs> to my own detriment or which I love, dude. Like and so that's why I'm excited to have you here. It's great to be here. Thanks for um, having me. of course. And I th I thought a great way to start this off. We're just going to jump straight into it, dude. Let's 
That's where I like Rated right down. twelve feet. I don't like the walk in, <laughs> okay. especially if it's like a cold question. It's like let's just get let's but, go all the way. In. All right, dude, we're going in. So, can you give the audience um, context <clears throat> on this question? I loved how you. I mean, you'll explain it. How many years are you going going to wait until you give yourself permission to do what you need to be doing? Yeah, I mean, even just hearing it, even though I've said it and it was said to me, <laughs> it's such a powerful question. Mm-hmm. So, what am I now? Thirty five. I'm gonna be thirty six mm-hmm. in June. So mm-hmm. five years ago, I'm in a super dark place. Um, so, like, why? Why are you there? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I think I lied to myself while I was there, mm. right? So it's really hard to self-identify what's going on while you're in the moment. <laughs> yeah. So one uh-huh. of the phrases I use is never look for a learning opportunity in the tension. In the what? In the tension. In the tension. So like while you're in the tension, you're not going to know what you were supposed to learn. Mm. You need to work day by day, be present in the tension, focus on what's going on. And when you're through it, when you're through the challenge, when you're through the obstacle, when you're through mm. the success, then you look back and go, Here's what I learned. Hmm. Too many people get wrapped up trying to learn something when all hell's breaking loose. That's definitely me. Yeah, just <laughs> just get through it, right? Yeah. So I think when I was in it, I would have said, well, the reason I'm depressed and anxious and worried is because these people don't treat me well. I've been overlooked for this job. I'm not, I'm not getting paid what I think I'm worth. Hmm. In the darkness, I would have said it was their fault. Okay. But now on this side, so your boss, or... my boss, my wife, who's awesome, mm. um, my friends, my family, my coworkers, mm-hmm. my boss's boss, the guy, like anyone but you, anyone but me. <laughs> Everybody else had a problem, but me. <laughs> yeah. That's when you know it's you. That's when you know. Well, yeah. Again, yeah. didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. So, so really, <clears throat> oh, this is part of the story I don't get to very often because I'm trying to get to the point. <laughs> But something really, like, mm-hmm. professionally painful happened on, I believe it was a Tuesday. Mm. And I would have quit on Wednesday. Oh, no. If my wife and I weren't going on a trip. Like, I came home Tuesday and mm-hmm. said, the only reason I'm not quitting today is because we're leaving tomorrow. Mm. And my employer was paying for the trip. Oh, nice. And she's mm-hmm. like, Okay. I was like, but I'm done after this. Like, this is it. And it was painful and it was hurtful. So we go on this trip mm-hmm. uh, and we, we had to really tough it out at a Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> Just, Where were you at? Uh, it was uh, uh, Amelia Island in Florida, the Ritz-Carlton. Okay, there. cool. Highly, highly recommend it. It's really <laughs> great. Especially when someone else is paying. Yeah. And we were there for an organization um, that I've come to know and love and value but while we were there, it was the, you know, what's next? You know, what's going to be next for us? Because I was going to quit my job on the following Monday. <laughs> and my wife at the time, Jessica, she was she was trying to help me get some perspective mm-hmm. that maybe it's not all these other people and all these other things. Maybe there's something like going on with me. And I, I just couldn't hear it. Mm. Um, I wasn't in a position to hear it. So one of the things I've also learned is people have to be positionally placed to hear before I can share anything with them. Cause if they're not positionally placed, they're not going to hear me anyway. So mm-hmm. it just burns relational capital. So on the last night we were there, I was sitting with the main speaker who is now a friend of mine. Cool. <clears throat> and 
I'm spending, so I get an hour with a leader, mm-hmm. right? A nationally known leader. And I spend 45 minutes talking about myself. <laughs> uh, that's not wise when you're with a national. You should be asking. Is this the questions. first time you guys met? Oh, yeah. And you just <clears throat> go off on your problems. Just go off on my problems. <laughs> and not my problems. Everybody else's problems. Like, mm. this is why I'm good. Like, if they just knew my value, if they knew how awesome I was. And I went on these problems. And his wife and my wife were there. So I had an audience. And mm. again, we were together for an hour. So at about minute 50. He does the universal sign of like, get me out of here. He grabs his iPad and he holds it tight to his chest and he (laughs) leans back. And I don't even know what I was saying, but out of, he just cuts me off in one in the middle, middle of one of my sentences. And he just says, how many years are you going to waste waiting for permission to do what you already know you should be doing? I was really taken back and it was aggressive. Like it was not like kind pat you on the back. Like it was a, it was a direct question. Mm -hmm. And I said, What? And my wife said, can you say that to him again? Mm-hmm. How many years are you going to waste waiting for permission to do what you already know you should be doing? <clears throat> and I don't remember what else he said after that. It was about 10 more minutes. But my wife and I went back to the room. And whether I had this language then or not, I probably didn't. That was the first time I realized that I was the source of my own problems. Was that ever in your life that you realized that? No. I mean, I was sick when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, I had seizures when I was mm. a baby. Um, I really didn't talk till I was about four or five. Um, and then most of my life, I was sick, um, whether asthma and allergies, and then I had severe ulcers. Huh. And I, I suffered organ failure. Um, and so I was sick all the time. So all of my problems I could blame on illness, or I could blame on people treat me different because I'm sick. Mm. But my parents never used that as a way to like hold me back or give me excuse. So then it was like I rise above, right? So I still can play basketball. I can still get a bunch of A's, right? Mm-hmm. I can still do all of this stuff. So either illness was holding me back or people's expectations were holding me back. But I never actually said I've got all these problems or I'm the the source of my own problems. Um, and I was 30, right? So mm-hmm. props to you for like putting out content like being honest and vulnerable because <laughs> yeah. I was 30 married, had a kid, had, had one, my oldest son at the time, Titus, Jessica was pregnant with Judah. And yeah, I had never, it was, it was a new aha. And w- we went to bed, um, and woke up the next day and I drive out, I'm driving out and saying, okay, what are the two things I've been waiting for permission for? So this is on the trip still, still on the trip. Like, cool. so we're headed home. So it's, Sunday afternoon, we're driving home from mm-hmm. Amelia Island. And there was two things. Like, one, I was going to start this group called Gospel on Tap. And two, I was going to study everything I could about a conversation. Interesting. Study everything you can about a conversation. Correct. Like, where did that come from? So. That's cool. Yeah. So I didn't talk till I was about four or five. Yeah. So there are um, still to this day words I cannot say. Really? Um, like what? Yep. Everyone wants <laughs> What can't you say? Did, were you not paying attention? I can't say it. Okay. So there's one that I can like, it takes really uh-huh. a lot of thought. I get through it. Um, cinnamon. Mm. Cinnamon. C- cinnamon. Hmm. Cin- cinnamon. Men. Mm-hmm. So the issue is I can't, hear the word correctly because i had double ear infections for so long okay my hearing's off 
huh. um, and I can't form the words in my mouth. So early on, my mother, mm. this was, I mean, we grew, I grew up in a small little town in Connecticut. Yeah. Early on, my mother would like push, put her fingers in my mouth to fo- like, your tongue's supposed to be here. Uh. Huh. And I would learn to talk. And this was before speech pathologists, you know, or whatever. Just good old mom. This mom, <laughs> right? Uh, she was awesome. I love my mom. One of my best friends. And so what happened was I start. I fell in love with public speaking. So I started public doing public speaking when I was in sixth grade. Really? Did my first thirty minute talk in sixth grade. What? What was it about? Uh, obedience to parents. It was in a church gathering. <laughs> I figured cool. that would give me props with the yeah, adults who gave funny. me a chance. Uh, so I've. I mean, I've been publicly speaking since then. I mean, I spoke regularly did plays and this is what would happen people would see me on stage i mean this was true in high school people would see me on stage or college or early on in my speaking career People would see me on stage and Mm -hmm. then they would sit across from me and they would love the guy on stage they would not want to be across from me in a conversation Hmm. Uh, i was terrible at asking questions i was even a worse listener but what i was really good at was like talking at you (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I wanted to be a great conversationalist. I wanted to ask good questions and I wanted to listen better mm. because I figured that's the only way I'm going to, the is, the reason I was having all these issues at work were probably because I wasn't listening well or not asking the right questions, just huh. talking too much. Um, I was an expert at everything which, or I was a master at everything, which made me an expert at none. Mm. So I, I had opinions about everything. Well, when you have opinions about everything, you have opinions about nothing, right? Like who are you? What do you stand for? You can't have an opinion about everything or no one's going to know why you stick out. So it's like, well, how am I going to be able to stick out? Hmm. I'm already a good public speaker. I want to be great one-on-one. Hmm. So I went on this personal journey of studying the conversation. So this would have That's been cool. 30, right? Mm-hmm. So now I've got to do math. So for <laughs> two years, 2016, yeah. Two years, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. I just studied communication, conversation. There's not a lot out, or there wasn't back then, a lot out on the idea of conversation. So just like books, books, TED talks, podcasts, YouTube or, videos, or just probably the best way just to practice it. Practice it. Ask you more questions and having honest conversations with people who have no reason mm-hmm. to lie to you. You uh. need those in your life. You need people in your life who have no reason to lie to you because they only want your betterment. Mm. And I would just say, what makes me a terrible person to have a conversation with really oh yeah what was the answer <laughs> oh you're a terrible listener huh you're awful at asking questions you're always right you have an ego you have an opinion Dang, about bro. everything and i ran out of like after that i was like i'm getting new friends like you all are dead <laughs> to me yeah um yeah so i was like okay so i was taking lists like okay so mm. what is what am i bad at right so if you want to get better at something you have to identify pretty specifically what you're bad at like okay so Questions and listening. That's cool. Were my ones I was bad at. So then I read books about questions and about listening. And here is what had happened, right? So how many years are you going to wait, waiting for permission to do what you already know you're supposed to do? One of the other things I realized was not only was I the source of my own problems, um, but I was desperately (laughs) trying to seek the approval of everybody. Not just my parents, not just my, but everyone. I wanted everyone. Just the random person the waiter at the restaurant whatever wanted you to be super impressed with me and i wanted your approval huh which meant for years un un i guess it was consciously and it was intentionally but 
unknowingly, hmm. truly, I think it was because I, I, I don't think I set out for this trajectory. I had just layered up masks and outfits. And I mean, mm-hmm. I got my first job, my first like official job. My boss at the time told me the reason no one's connecting with you and the reason I'm not going to let you talk in front of this group is because you don't dress cool enough. What? So you know what I did as a dumb 25-year-old? Yeah. I went and I opened a credit card and went and spent $1,000 on clothes wow. I, didn't, I didn't even like so that I could be cool, right? Um, so dumb. So, <laughs> so one of the things that had happened was I'm reading all these books, and all these books wanted me to be the book. Hmm. So they wanted me to ask only these five questions. And here's the only right way to listen. And here's the only right way to do this. And you've got to do it this way. You've got to ask these. And I was like, you know what? I'm not looking to buy another Lego set. Ooh. I'm not looking for just another thing to put on. How can I be me uh, in a conversation and through these things? And that's where the idea of art came to mind. Like the people who don't hmm. live by any rules are artists. And once an artist lives by a rule or are bound by rules, you know, you hear about in the news, like I can't do my art anymore. I can't do my music anymore. Like, Mm. so artists are the ones who are like, you know, I'm done with the rules. I'm going after it. So I started thinking about conversations as art. Cool. I like that a lot. So I came up on a personal journey with something called Uh art of a cover of the conversation. Yeah. The art I create. In a conversation, which means I get to use all the cool paints or all the cool tricks and tips from all these other places, but Hmm. I get to put them in a way that represents me. So I went on this personal journey to become an artist and collect as many like cool paint samples as I could. So I took the best from everything. And this was a personal journey, like chicken scratch notes, moleskins, things on my phone, like never meant to be talked about, shared, let alone be like paid to go talk about. Because it was for me. I just wanted to do this. Hmm. I didn't care if anyone else wanted it, needed it. I wasn't going to wait for their permission to go do it. So I created this art of the conversation. And mm-hmm. it had these four elements. And I had all these cool, pithy sub points. All for me. Like, it was a ton of work just for me. Huh. And then I was asked to teach it for the first time. So how did you ask to get... Did you show it to someone or you were using it or this is amazing when you do Uh personal development, (laughs) the best evidence if you're actually developing is people start treating you differently. Yeah. People start treating you differently. So people would come up to me and they would say, okay, you're asking a lot more questions and they're good questions. Mm. I would say, thanks. What was your favorite? (laughs) Right. Cause I wanted to know like, what was the good one? Or they'll saying, man, you're really listening intentionally. Um, or things like you're turning down opportunities to like give your opinion. And I would say things like, yeah, because I don't want you to know my opinion on that because I really want you to value my opinion on this. Hmm. Right. So it isn't an equal sum game. Like if you have an opinion on seven things, whether you want it to or not, people are going to give equal weight to all of that. They're going to say, you know, if you got Hmm. opinion about seven, you you know, divide it by a hundred. Like, there you go. So I, I just don't want, my opinion on that is so minimal and I'm really not passionate about it. So I don't really have one, you know, and if they would push, 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 I would say something like, well, this isn't my opinion. This is just my observation. Hmm. That's interesting. So you, so if you're 30, yeah, you're 30 years old, essentially asking for what's wrong with you. 30 years old, asking what's wrong. With you. <laughs> so what is your opinion or your, just your thoughts 
because there is benefit for look looking at strengths. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it was necessary at that time to only look at, were you only looking at what was negative or kind of what are your thoughts on that balancing act of maybe that was just a period of time that you had to focus on the improvement opportunities and then you could focus on what was good or what do you think? Okay. So for all the people who are life coaches and personality uh-huh. directors, <laughs> much love, super credit. And I have, I've taken, watch, someone's going to send you one. Have you taken this one? No. Like I have taken all of the major ones and some uh-huh. of the minor ones, but at the time at 30, ego got in the way of my strengths or strong personality set because mm. I self-identified this is what I was good at. Just talking. Just talking. Yeah, talking. I was good at talking <laughs> and I was good at, I would say, pushing boundaries. I would say I was good at both of those things. But so I didn't care about DISC or Strength Finders or Enneagram or mm-hmm. Myers-Briggs or whatever else. Because just, I, you were self-absorbed, sounds I, like. Yeah, I was very self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. And I, like anyone who knew me back then would not argue with you one bit. Hmm. Um, very self-absorbed. So it was like, well, if I can fix these problems, th- the problems are, are what are getting in the way of my strengths, my, my talents. So hmm. let me resolve the problem so that I can just get back to my talents. But what has probably happened is the problems that I had to get over have now become my strongest strengths. That's so cool. Um, because these, I would just say, are natural nature stuff. Mm. Like you could, you could give me a topic, and unless it was some like off the wall thing, well, mm-hmm. then I'd probably just try to make it up. But like, you give me any topic I, that's in my realm, or even like two or three degrees, I, I probably could talk about it for thirty minutes. Because mm. um, that's just kind of nature, like it's just in me. Mm-hmm. But when you have to overcome self being self absorbed, having massive insecurities, like I had more insecurities than I ever could imagine like um anxiety riddled i'm worried all the time Mm. and a constant striving for approval and acceptance and no one out there looking at me would say jonathan has insecurity issues they might say it's pride or he's egotistical i mean you know how bad it was this is how bad it was the college (laughs) i went to um i was sick Uh then Uh, but i didn't want anyone to mess with like the skinny unfashionable (laughs) sick kid who was egotistical and prideful so i had a goal for the first uh semester and then like half of my second semester my Mm -hmm. freshman year to make somebody cry using nothing other than my words (laughs) what why'd you have that goal (laughs) because i was like if i can like demonstrate my power to be able to just tear something how often was it uh, once a week. Once a week? Yeah, so we're talking a good <laughs> wow. 34 weeks of 34. And I accomplished it, right? Because I'm a goal setter and I get the goal. Yeah. But yeah, looking back, I'm like, that's all. Like those people, if they're watching this or hearing this, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, he was a jerk, right? Mm. Um. So yeah, so super self-absorbed, had all these insecurities. No one would have noticed it, but I'm 30 years old. And, you know, when I get to the end of, before I started talking about Art of the Conversation publicly, which was 2016, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was really just the focus on the problems, which I know personality coaches will say, no, that's not really great. And yeah. I would say, I, I agree with you uh, on a level of you have expertise in this, but there's a practical level where there's just some mountains you need to climb, some valleys you need to go through, some obstacles you need to get over. Mm. 
and problems you need to solve. Because if I didn't solve those problems, I still would have been strong at these things, but no one would have wanted to do this. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm definitely someone like focusing on my strengths definitely helps me. However, I like to, but it was, yeah, I just find it fascinating that you like went on this two year mission to just obliterate and face it. But it's similar to me that early on I was younger. So I used to do hip hop music back in the day. And when we started, I'll have to show you after. I need to see a video. (laughs) But when we started, um, you know, we're these nerdy white kids from Salt Lake City, never done this before. So what we did is we called it fear fighting. So we would go downtown Salt Lake City after Utah Jazz games and packed, you know, like literally the cars aren't moving. Everyone's walking, just crowds. And so we would say, we would just go up to people, hey, can we rap for you? Never have done it before. We were terrified every single time. Oh, of course. But it's that same practice of, I want to be good at this. So maybe that's what the difference is of, hey, I want to be good at this yeah. instead of, I suck at this or I'm bad at it. Like focusing on this is something I want to be good at. So I'm going to do everything it takes. Yeah, that's a good observation. That's what I want to be good at. And maybe I'm, now that you said that, my immediate response to that is something I want to be, able to be good at, comma, and something I don't want to let hold me back. Yeah. Right. So mm. even like, I mean, if I'm thinking about your analogy, you would go, can you rap? Mm-hmm. Well, if they say yes, you get to rap and you get to do something. So you're not being held back. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're doing something you want to get good at and you're not being held back because they said yes. So you get to do it. Mm-hmm. But then if they say no, you don't get to rap, but then it's the other piece. You don't want the no to hold you back. So you still got to go to that next car. Yep. So I think your observation's Mm -hmm. dead on. I didn't want to be bad at it, but I also, or I wanted to be good at it. Let's do the positive. I wanted to be good (laughs) at it, but I also didn't want to be held back by it. That's cool. What was, because like you said, your wife's amazing. You've You've obviously changed a ton in five years. So I'm just curious, like, how, how did you guys get initially, like, attracted? Has she changed in the past five years? I'm not saying you were some, like, why the hell did she marry you? But, you know, like, but at the same That's time. Valid question. Like, I'm just so interested in, like, as a couple and as a partnership, how did you guys meet? What did you guys have in common? And then how have you guys grown together in the past five years? Okay, so we met in an opera. <laughs> Wait. True story. Okay, so like you were playing in the opera or you went to the date on a date? No, no, no. So she was a singer Uh and I had done public speaking and acting, so Uh they needed walk-on roles. Okay. So that's how we met. We went in an opera, Andre Shinyang. And when I met, when we met, she was watching me talk to these guys, telling them about my my stellar wrestling career uh, in Mm -hmm fifth and sixth grade. <laughs> like I said, pretty self-absorbed yeah, yeah. as you pointed out. And, and she just, I mean, she, she'll tell you, she was just like, just locked in. She was pretty much in awe. She's, and I don't, so I wear glasses, mm-hmm. but I never had cool glasses in mm-hmm. college. I just had like the big round things, you know? Uh-huh. So I would try not to wear them. Uh-huh. Cause I want, I didn't want to be any more dorky than I probably felt like I was. Mm-hmm. So everything was like a, <laughs> like cloudy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I couldn't even actually see her. So we're, Crazy. we're getting ready to walk out on stage. The mm-hmm. cast was called, actually was called to the auditorium before going on stage. She cuts me off and we're going down the stairs and she turns around and she says, 
I think I know you. And I said, doubt it. She's like, but where are you from? She's like, oh, small town in Pennsylvania. You've never heard of it. And I said, all right, well, try me. And she says, oh, Geigertown, Pennsylvania. I said, yeah, Geigertown, Pennsylvania, High Point Camp. You're right. Never heard of it. And I just walked right by her because uh, I knew exactly where she was. She's like, how do you know that? And I was like, what, what do you mean? I thought you said I wouldn't know it. And I just played this whole uh-huh. thing. I was like, yeah, I went to camp there. Mm. She's like, I lived at the camp. Mm. I was like, huh. I was like, okay, well. And we tried to figure it out. Um, but then she was called on stage and I was dismissed. Uh, uh, true story, though. I was walking back to my dorm and called my mother that night after talking to Jessica for five minutes, maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, I called my mom. I said, I met the girl I'm going to marry. Really? Yeah. So it wasn't love at first sight, but it was like love within the first five minutes. <laughs> um, and I was thinking, I was like, she does. Now that we're talking, she does look familiar. Hmm. After about 30 minutes, I'm uh-huh. like, this was before we had cell phones. So I'm like calling her room and she finally gets there and she's like, what? I was like, do you, do you remember being in a three-legged race with a boy mm. one of your last years at camp? Uh, like junior camp she's like yes he was this like pudgy bald kid and he had like these red stockings on his shirt uh-huh. and he dragged me through the mud because i fell down and we lost the race and i was like that was me that was you yeah it was red socks the red socks she uh, was in a baseball van stockings. so i had red socks <laughs> uh you were bald yeah so i shaved my head for the first time in first grade uh, buzzed it buzzed it okay, but okay. yeah i never grew hair again um <laughs> And yes, yeah, so we were actually were in a three-legged race when we were in sixth grade. Uh, yeah, so we've been tied to each other in some way, shape, or form. That's in interesting. Even since back then, that's so cool. Like you had no idea, right? And we there was a draw. So we met there. What was our? What did we have in common? Very little. Huh. Um, her parents weren't huge fans of me, <laughs> um, for some of the reasons which we've already <laughs> yeah. talked about. Actually, when I asked her dad if I could marry her, he said no. Mm said no. So you went to him to ask permission. I did, yeah. Not only did he say no, but he pulled the family, and it was a unanimous no. It was a... Like around you? or No, he, went... he, he pulled them separately. Because that would be painful back. if he just yeah. around you. Right. If they're like, hey, everyone, let's vote right now, right? <laughs> yeah. like, Can this be private? Yeah. Um, I, what we had in common was our sense of adventure, mm. not really knowing what it was, um, our desire to dream big. We're dreamers. We're visionaries. Mm. Um, we also don't like boundaries or borders. We like to push those limits. Um, we also have a blast together. Mm. We have a lot of fun together. So she's my favorite person to like hang out with, have a date with, mm. go to a movie with. I mean, she's just, we just have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely had more of a sarcastic, cynical edge dating. I mean, we dated for five years, mm. broke up three times actually. I had to win her back all three you times. all me oh yeah well one time kind of her parents but but yeah pretty much mm. all me <laughs> uh, yeah so but i would say like if i if i was to fast forward to like the points of development and change mm-hmm. so one of the things i talk about in my training is you can be a thermometer or a thermostat and a thermometer reads the temperature and a thermostat sets the temperature. Yeah. And when it came to our marriage, Jessica was fine with letting me be the thermostat most of the time. Mm. 
and she was just good with reading the room. Now in other rooms, like for her business and other rooms she's in, she's the thermostat. Like she's, she's wonder woman. Um, but I would say that the early years of our marriage, like we had a miscarriage three months into our marriage. Mm-hmm. Like we found out she was pregnant in the morning that she miscarried that afternoon. Oh, wow. Um, we didn't have any family in town. We were working multiple jobs. Um, but I would say that whatever, and again, she's not perfect. I'm not trying to paint that picture. <laughs> yeah. But I would say whatever marital issues and relational issues were pretty much my fault. Um, in in the environment I was setting. So whatever she did develop positively during that time, for sure. But there was a limit to it because the environment in which she was living in was not as healthy as it should have been. Interesting. So then I would say, I'm starting to make these changes. Well, now that I'm making these changes, the thermostat's changing. Uh huh. Um, and because the thermostat's changing, now we have different levels of conflict. Um, so like she's very empathetic and she wants to talk everything out but now i'm changing and saying well you're not asking the right questions you're not really listening intentionally Hmm. so let's like take a break let's go back think about this and then come back and like what you used to just want to throw down right now and i'm like yeah i don't want to do that now (laughs) um i'm also very kind of quick off the cuff like you know she needs a little more process time Mm -hmm. she's not as fast um, which is fine like it's a wiring thing Uh so i would say that what we have in common now uh, is our strong desire to experience new things, our strong desire, like we love to eat and drink and, mm-hmm. and, and just try stuff and be together. Mm. Um, we also like to communicate. So some of our close friends, so we came back, one of our um, goals for 2020 mm-hmm. was to have a couch catch-up time once a week where we intentionally sit on the couch, <clears throat> open a bottle of wine, make a cocktail or something, and uh-huh. just catch up. And some of our friends are like, you guys feel like you need to talk more? <laughs> like, you guys talk all the yeah. time. And we do. We, we're very communicative. We have calendars mm. that say things like talk and catch up and I we love plan that, dates. I love it. Um, so we're, 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 we're connected on that. And the other piece is, so we have three boys. They're all very young. So people say, oh, you had kids later. I'm like, well. I'm glad we didn't have kids before because I couldn't imagine being a dad at 27 being as self-absorbed as I was. (laughs) Um, But we were really intentional not to make our marriage and our, our home life about all about the kids. Mm. Like the kids are guests in Jessica and I's house. Mm. We love them and we're going to care for them. And uh, we call them our little men. Like we're raising them, but our whole life's not about them. And I would say what we have in common is just, uh, just a passionate dedication to pursue one another, go after one another, hang mm. on, like just be together. That's that. That's cool. Thanks for explaining that. If you were to look, what do you think? I mean, you know, we all want like a list. It's we all want like that takeaway. It's more than that. There's nuance. But if you had to do like one item, what do you think has helped you the most in your marriage? That's a good question. Hmm. Uh, AMAs and TMAs. So ask me anything. Yeah. So like, Jessica and I two years ago, uh-huh. and then TMA, which is tell me anything. Huh. Uh, two years ago, we put this into our marriage because so what has happens is right, um, and actually this works for friends too. Uh-huh. So, but in our marriage, right? So we're three kids. She's running her own business. You know, I'm speaking, I'm um, running a not-for-profit, um, 
for profit, right? You know, so we're entrepreneur, we're, mm-hmm. we're unemployed, uh, <laughs> self-employed yeah. entrepreneurs. Um, and stuff's happening with the kids, stuff's happening with her business and the days go on. Right. And then, you know, I could be traveling Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then, you know, Thursday I'm back and she's got a client it's Friday, and Saturday. Mm. One of the things that we found that happened was, was even though we were talking about stuff, we weren't like catching each other up or things were happening internally in our internal world that we wanted to share and get out or things were happening in our external world that we wanted to share and bring and like loop the other person in on. But there was no time for that. Mm. There was no margin with everything else we had going on. So then when we have a date night, we just kind of wanted to forget about life yeah. and just enjoy being there. Um, and this would be like sources of tension. Like, wow, you know, in the development world, like she's like, okay, hey, you're changing this area and you haven't even told me how. And I'm like, oh, did I tell you about these podcasts? I was she's like, no. And I was like, hmm. have I not shared them with you? She's like, no, have you shared them <laughs> with other people? I'm like, yeah. Like, so because it was like, because they're more in my circle and my yeah, environment. Those I understand times, that. Right. So I was like, okay. So, because I'm a thinker, processor, uh, mm-hmm. I think it was at the start of 2018. Maybe it was 2019. Anyway, it feels like it's been a while. I was like, okay. So here we're gonna we're gonna try this from a communication standpoint. Um, oh, and the other piece was sometimes you have to have hard conversations, but you're always waiting for the timing to be right, mm. and the timing's really never perfect or right. So I was like, okay. So we're gonna try this thing. We're gonna say AMAs and TMAs. AMAs. So if I, if Jessica was right here and I would say, Hey babe, t- or Hey babe, AMA. Mm-hmm. What she knows is I'm about to ask a question that has actually no connection to what's going on. Hmm. Could feel like out of left field. It could be a challenge question. It could be a difficult question. It could be a funny question. It could be a silly question, but it's something that I need an answer to from her. Or just from that, her. Okay. From her. So AMA. Mm-hmm. And then I ask a question. And part of the rule, too, with that is she can't get mad, defensive, or dodge the question. Cool. Because we value our relationship so much that if I, ne- if I need this answer so badly that I'm ready to say, okay, AMA right here in this moment. Hmm. Um, now, if it's something like she's like, I really need time, then obviously, you know, you're compassionate because sometimes mm-hmm. just getting the question out is helpful. Yeah. But we did AMAs. So uh, so they weren't scheduled. There's random. So randoms. as you felt it, you just, here we go. Here we go. Or like, man, I was gone in Texas on Tuesday and she really wanted to ask me something about X. She kept forgetting, forgetting. And then it would just seem weird to bring up. She would go, Hey, AMA, this happened on t- like, what's this about? Mm. Um, but the other piece was TMAs. Tell me anything. Uh, which was, you know, sometimes you just need to tell your significant partner or something else or your friend, mm. something else, but there's, you're also like waiting for the right time. So it doesn't come off as like, why is this all about you? Or, yeah. So I would just, I would say, Hey Jessica, TMA. She'd be like, all right, tell me anything. And I would tell her. Cool. And so when we go on dates, uh-huh. we'll catch up. We'll do the flirty thing, you know, whatever. <laughs> but then I'll go, all right, any AMAs? And, I would, and she always says, oh, yeah. And, and Is then, this every date still? Every, every date. If we're on a date, cool. like we need to back up. And I would say every other day there's like an AMA or a TMA. Um, and I would say that that one piece has just kept the lines of communication always open. Yeah. And allows us to talk about the stuff that needs to be talked about, but also we can go back and it not feel so strange. Yeah, dude, I love that. What was the last, you know, if it's not too personal, no. what was the last AMA or TMA? Uh, the last AMA was, are we really moving? Which like 
if anyone for Greenville is watching this, they're gonna be like, "Excuse me, the Parkers aren't moving." <laughs> um, we're not moving. But one of the last AMAs on our last date was like a serious consideration of moving, like selling our house, mm-hmm. moving, moving where. That was the other AMA. Where and because we didn't have good answers to that, like just, you just wanted to move. No, there's like, so like our the organization I run is growing. Yeah. Um, the organization I run is very controversial in the Bible Belt of South Carolina. Uh, when you combine beer and Jesus. Yeah, will you? So, perfect transition. Will yeah. you go into all good things and what that is? Yeah, so um, so I do two things. Um, one of the things I do is this art of the conversation in public speaking. And the other thing I do is I run something called All Good Things. And All Good Things exists to bring intentional gospel connections, which is just good news about Jesus, to common places in unconventional ways. So, I mean, we have a, I mean, in South Carolina, but in our country, we're just really kind of overrun with organizational religion. And it could be Christian, it could be Hindu or Muslim or Catholic, Jew, right? We've got organized religion mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, and what organized religion pretty much does, not all of them, but what it does is they build buildings <laughs> and they tell people, come hear what we think about stuff. Mm. And I worked for one for almost a decade and I go to one still. So it's not like I've written it all off. But I realized that community and people wanted to connect in places where they felt comfortable in common places. Instead of just come to this sterile building. Exactly. Where you're uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but all the religious people are really uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and when I looked at the life and ministry of Jesus, when I read the Bible, and this is my faith, I was like, this just doesn't seem to line up. So when I left the, remember, so I, when I left uh, the Ritz-Carlton parking lot, it mm-hmm. was like gospel on tap and art of the conversation, or study the conversation, which became art of the conversation. So our gospel on tap, which was this gathering for guys, sit around a couple pints, mm-hmm. talk about life, um, things like purpose, anxiety, and loneliness, mm-hmm. and story, with an idea of how does Jesus inform us on these topics. Um, so we did that for four years. Saw over 200 guys come through. I mean, it was a paid thing. No marketing, no social media. And was that only in Greenville, South only Carolina? Only in Greenville, yeah. Okay. And then 2016, we, I got this crazy idea that wouldn't it be fun to like sing old hymns and drink beer? Fantastic idea. And uh, the first two people I asked, it was a hard no. Like, that's not going to work. I don't want to be involved. You're going to get too much trouble. But you were asking like people to help you organize it? Yeah, because I don't play any instruments. So I don't Mm. sing or play any instruments. So it's really strange for a guy like me to start it because Mm. I can't actually actively lead it. Which means sometimes you're called, led to start something that you only can leave from behind in. You have to empower the people to leave from the front. I like that. Um, so the third guy I asked, he's my current brand leader. He mm-hmm. literally jumped out of his seat. <laughs> and we started Hymns and Hops at a little coffee shop tap house down mm-hmm. down on Pleasantburg called Grateful Brew. We had 71 people show up on a first Tuesday time? night. First time. That's impressive for your first time. Yeah, I was nervous. I still get nervous, but I was nervous. <laughs> uh, fast forward a year later, we're about to celebrate one year anniversary, and we have over 1,000 people in two locations. Isn't that crazy, man? Yeah, and we've seen it grow. We're in two states now. Uh, in 2019, we went from one state, one gathering in South Greenville, Carolina, South Carolina, mm-hmm. to launch the site in Texas, launch another site in South Carolina in Greenwood. And in 2020, we're looking to double or triple mm. our our gatherings. And then we have a huge vision um, for what we're going after that we're rolling out uh, at the end of April. So yeah, Hymns and Hops is this gathering. No matter your creed, your background, your denomination, where you find yourself presently is a place for people to be unified, to come together. Mm. Um, 
sing old hymns, drink beer, or don't sing old hymns and just hang out in the back and talk to your friends and drink water. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it, there's no yeah. expectations, which I think is why people drive hours to come. Um, so one of the things we were thinking about moving was, you remember we were talking about thermostat? Like, yeah. am I in the right environment for this? And I think part of that was fear and anxiety and worry again kind of creeping in. Mm. I think some of that was where can it be easier? Or more inspiring or conducive. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And we've we've gone as far as talking to a realtor and figuring out all that. Um, But Jessica and I, another thing that like unites us is we are not reactionary people. Like this is something we're thinking about. Yeah, that's a great strength. <laughs> um, we, we're pretty processed in that regard. So when the AMA was asked, like, okay, are we are we moving or not? I was like, I don't know. I was like, and by the end of it, I was like, yeah, we're probably definitely moving. She's like, okay, where? And I'm like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so that right there, that really stopped us in our, in our process there. Um, but I do think going back, just looking at it now, right? So this kind of goes back to uh, what is it? Old habits are hard to break. Yeah. Um, old habits are also really easy to pick back up. So they might be hard to break, but they're really easy to pick back up. <laughs> and I would say that the main reason I thought about moving was I was weary and tired. Mm-hmm. And I would say that a lot of that just came back down to living up to other people's expectations, doing what I thought would make people happy. And rather than living into this boundary pushing mindset. And, and do you think that was direct, was that relating to like hymns and hops? Yeah. Hymns and hops, all good things. And I think some of it also came down to like speaking. Mm-hmm. So because I started doing this type of unconventional ministry and gathering, yeah, all but I was supposed to have six or seven speaking gigs in 2019 and all but two, I was uninvited to. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, so you're like losing, I mean, you're losing opportunity. That makes sense. You're losing money. Um, you know, there's, there's conflict, but I do think that this is just part of the process. Um, so right now we're not moving. So the AMA, uh, when asked again, was like, no, (laughs) we're not moving, but it does. It's such a helpful exercise. Um, and you kind of went through it because I mean, you're about Mm -hmm. to make a transition. Yeah, I'm about to. And Um, that's essentially why I'm moving too. moving too. Um, so we, it's a helpful exercise, especially if you have a family, a uh, family being you have kids, to ask yourself, what is holding you back from taking the step that you may need to take? Hmm. And what are you willing to let go of? And Jessica and I came to the conclusion, we have to be willing to let go of everything. Dude, yes, I love it. So even if that's the house, we started our family. Dude, and how crucial is that to have a partner, like for both of you? Because mm-hmm. I know people recent conversations that it's not like that. Okay. And it's hard. Talk about that. So like for taking risks. Yeah. Right. You're definitely taking a risk to bet on yourself, whether it's moving or quitting or investing or starting whatever, when it's unconventional, it's scary. And we don't, when you have a partner who questions that and they're scared it makes you question it makes you get scared because you, I mean, they're your partner. You want to love them and support them. But at the same time, like I am 
you know, I'm single and like that has to be like a crucial element, Mm -hmm. like the support of this is my lifestyle. Right. Like, like you, like I want to live unconventionally. I want to live artistically and do things different, you know? So yeah, I just think that has to be hard essentially to not have that because it stifles your growth and everything. And one of the things, you know, as you're thinking about it, if you ever start dating or someone's listening to this and they're single and their thought is, I don't want to go through life alone, quote unquote. I'll just tell you, it will be worse going through life with someone who you feel like is just a weight around your ankle or dragging you down Mm. or someone you don't want to go home to. So there's a a minute, there's, there's this idea of loneliness is also, it's a real, it's a real chemical reaction, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not downplaying this. Like I talk about loneliness a lot personally, but in essence too, loneliness is a mindset and a choice that you need to take responsibility for. We live in a very active world. You can find someone to go hang out with, um, but you also can pour yourself into different things. It was either Gandhi or Mother Teresa said the best fi- way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Like there's ways to combat loneliness, but you don't want to marry someone just so you don't feel lonely anymore or you're going to feel lonely and married dating in a relationship, not being able to do what you think you're called to do. And that is not a good place to be because there's no way I would be doing what I was doing without Jessica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a major boom, <laughs> you know. Like yep, this, and and it's not okay. Maybe practically, uh-huh. I could get there, maybe, but relationally and freedom-wise, I'm not saying. Well, I don't know who else I would have married, but yeah, I mean, I couldn't be where I'm at doing what I'm doing without Jessica. Hmm. Right? I mean, she's home with three kids. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> so, Woo. I'll take it. Exactly. Um, so you say you talk a lot about loneliness. So what is your personal experience with that? So when you're an extra, well, so I hate category, hate categorizing people, uh-huh. especially based on like personality, but more so extroverted. Yeah. You tell someone Tendencies. you're an extrovert. They don't know what to do. Like, um, so I have every personal personal life coach, personality coach mm-hmm. I've ever had have all said the same thing when it comes to this idea is that I'm a learned extrovert hmm. because I was sick because of my insecurities. I compensated my illnesses and my insecurities for being super extroverted hmm. like over the top. That makes sense. Um, so when I come into a room, right, my wife, my wife will always ask me when we're getting ready to go to like do a banquet or a fundraising event. Mm-hmm. She's like, is this work or is this us? Cause she knows if it's work, I'm going to walk in that door and own it. Yeah. See you, baby. Have a good time. <laughs> if it's us, yeah. I'm actually going to be more of a, I'm going to kind of stand behind her and hold her hand. I'm not, not looking to work the room. Mm. So I want to be with her. So loneliness for me always looked like surrounded by a bunch of people. Um, I'm working on a post right now, uh, just alone in the crowd. Like that's real, man. Yeah. It just, I can be in a room full of people who I'm and I'm not putting anything on. That's the other piece. It's not that I'm fake, but there's this internal loneliness um, that I'm there to do something. So I'm there to accomplish something. So that is a real part of me, but I do have this internal loneliness. Hmm. So actually one of the way, uh, and I've gotten over this, but one of the, hmm. the most lonely I ever feel is the moment I walk off stage. 
Interesting. So immediately, so after you're off this high of connection and adrenaline, right off you feel lonely. Super lonely. Huh. So I used to have, which was good, but it could have been detrimental long term. One of the things I would do when I was done with any talk, whether I was moderating a panel, um, even kind of doing something like this, but definitely mm-hmm. when I was speaking, like I would go to like one of my favorite quiet bars and get a beer and eat a huge burger and French fries. Because you were lonely and I you wanted lonely. to fill that void. I wanted to fill that void. Huh. And I knew, I, loved, I mean, I grew up Italian, so I loved to eat and I loved beer. <laughs> so I was like, this will be great. But really, even that, I would leave. And I'm not talking about like I mean, 18 beers. Like I'm just talking about like one or two beers and a big burger. And I would still leave <laughs> bloated and still lonely. <laughs> yeah. um, and then like this idea of loneliness is men aren't supposed to talk about loneliness. Well, you've got... I mean, when I had a great job, I wrote my own job description at my previous job, and then I stepped out to do something I created. Some people would love that opportunity. Mm-hmm. You got a great wife and partner who supports you and loves you, and she's a smoke show. Like, she's gorgeous. <laughs> and I got three healthy, beautiful young mm-hmm. boys. People are like, what? You got friends. You got you got 30 text messages you have not replied to. Like, you have people that want to hang out with you. And this is what happens. Loneliness starts loneliness starts and is birthed in you when you understand everybody's expectation on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone's lonely today, it's probably because they're carrying the weight of expectations of other people that those people have actually put on them, mm. like spoken to them. Like, I thought you'd be a better daughter. I thought you would have accomplished more by now. I thought you would have showed up on time. I can't believe you're still working. Like, and it's just this idea of like, man, mm. I'm carrying all these things. So what happens is you start getting pushed, pushed into a corner or you get pushed down to the ground and you feel like you're just, alone and when you feel alone that's when loneliness starts right no one has no one has felt not alone but lonely does that make sense say that again so no one has ever felt not alone but lonely yeah you're always feel alone first and alone is a is a present reality where loneliness is a present emotion Hmm. so loneliness is the emotion that accompanies being alone for instance, mm. take it the other way. I can be alone in my car for three hours and never experience loneliness. But I've never experienced loneliness without also feeling alone. Yeah. So I can feel lonely or alone, mm. present reality, and feel joy. Because I'm driving yep. up the mountains in my Jeep, jamming to 80s rock, right? <laughs> yeah. But if you feel loneliness, if you have this emotional feeling of loneliness then there is a present reality of being alone. Even if you're alone in the crowd, you feel like you have no one. Well, how are men supposed to talk about that? When, when you hear things like, well, be a man, suck yeah. it up. You know how I had to do it. You're like, okay. So now, now not only am I alone and lonely, but now, <laughs> now I don't even equal the gender mm. uh, expectations I'm supposed to be. Or, or the definition of manhood that has been now thrown at me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who do I talk to then? Well, now you're worried. Who do I? You know what? I'm not going to talk to anybody. So I think what happens is loneliness then amplifies insecurities. And then you overcompensate mm. with your strengths, right? So I become more extroverted. I go hang out more. I used to. I go hang out more. Um. So part of that is maybe it's Tim Ferriss or a very smart person says you are the average of the five people you hang around with Mm -hmm. the most. 
so I think also what happened when I was around 30, 31, 32, and I still experience seasons of loneliness. I'm quick to identify them and I'm quick to reach out for help, hmm. which that's key. Will right? you explain what is that? So as a man, I think that's really important for anyone, but especially for man, because we, for me and from what I've experienced is it's, you should be able to do it by yourself. You don't need help. Don't show your feelings. So what does that look like for you? Like, how do you reach out for help? So I tell my wife pretty quick now, hmm. like, Hey, I got, I've got anxiety feeling lonely. She's like, okay. What? And she'll just say, what do we need to do? And sometimes I'm like, I have no idea. Just be, just be. But she's also like, okay, well I know you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do an in-home date night. Hmm. And we're going to eat sushi and we're going to put the kids to bed. Okay. And, and we'll do it. Or we're going to, okay, I'll get a babysitter or like, or she'll go, okay, actually, I think I do know you need to go out with one of the guys, mm. hang out, call one of the guys, just go. Um, so one, I keep, I'm, I'm pretty open up with my wife. Um, the second thing is I'll ask guys when I'm like, Hey, can you get together? I'll almost do it more like, Hey man, I really need to connect, get together kind of hanging on by a thread so you you set that expectation from the beginning yeah. instead of hey dude can you hang out it's like no man sorry work yeah man all good yeah me too right instead of that whole <laughs> thing it's like no i need you mm-hmm. and if he's mm-hmm. like man i cannot help but let's jump on the phone or hey man i can't meet reach out to you know mm-hmm. somebody else um so, so i just communicate that i think mm-hmm. that's the other piece and, and you were very kind in your introduction like i am very comfortable talking about my feelings mm-hmm because I'm very comfortable with who I am now Hmm. and I want you to be comfortable with who you are. So I know that if I go first, you're going to have no problem going second. Yep. Lead by example, baby. Yeah. So more than likely, whatever guy I'm hanging out with, if I'm like, man, it's just been a season and I'm just feeling alone. I'm feeling isolated. More than likely he's going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm here too. Like I'm with you. I get it. So part of that is just kind of owning it more and, and all right. So we, well, we all like to eat junk food. Yeah. Now junk food for me is potato chips. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love potato chips. I love pizza. I love carbs. Right. Um, we don't eat a lot of those anymore. In my house. But I love them. <laughs> uh, they're so good. They're so, so good. Um, <laughs> but I know if I eat four slices of pizza, I'm going to feel terrible. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just going to happen. It actually happened yesterday. I ate two <laughs> sub sandwiches, one for lunch in one a row. For oh, dinner. okay. Oh, glorious! <laughs> Belly hurt all night, right? Because you're not <laughs> supposed to do that. Uh, but I made a choice to eat that. Yeah, I made a choice to eat that. I made a choice. Did I make a choice to feel that way? No, but behaviors come with mm-hmm. consequences. Okay. So I could blame the sandwich maker. <laughs> or if you're a subway the sandwich artist right yeah the sandwich <laughs> artist i could blame the environment like mm-hmm. well I, you know this is the only thing only thing i could have gotten even though both options the salads were on both options i could go on and on or i could say here's the deal um i ate pizza because i wanted to or i ate subs because i wanted to and i want to taste it pretty much knowing i was going to feel bad about it hmm. so now what am i going to do well today i've I had a really solid protein breakfast. I've kind of been fasting the rest of the day, tons of water because I want to take care of myself because of this. But sometimes we just need junk food. Like, right. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just want the pizza. <laughs> and I get that some guys mm. don't feel like they just get to have a bad day. Mm. 
I'm I'm one of those dudes. And sometimes we just need to have one. Hmm. We just need to be honest. Like this is this is bad day. It's a bad day, hmm. and I need friends who are gonna let me have a bad day. I love that. But I also need friends who the next day are gonna be like, okay, so that subs were delicious, man. Um, wh- what are we doing today? Like we gotta flush this. We gotta get back on track. Hmm. But men and women too. And in some regards, women have this other, you know, when I when I talk to women, like, I can't imagine, like, I'm wearing a, a hoodie, a jeans, and boots right now, right? Mm-hmm. No, and, and I've got, like, a slight acne, right? My complexion's not great. <laughs> but, like, most people aren't judging me based uh-huh. on my look. They're basing me, I mean, maybe a little, but they're going to think about my words, you know, my posture, you know, that. Women are held to that standard, plus this level of beauty. That's true. Right. So when they have a bad day, like today's a great day. I get to wear a hoodie. Like it's great. Like they don't get if a woman's wearing a hoodie, it's like, oh, you're having like super casual day. Yeah. Right? Okay, so I don't want to speak for all women, but I can understand that their ability to have a bad day generally has to be in secret and hiding, you know, with chocolate and they don't want anyone to see them. Mm-hmm. Men, they get to have the bad day, but they the problem is they don't know what to do at the the next day. Mm. And men are way worse at getting out of the cycle as women. So I think part of it, men need to have the ability and give themselves permission to have a bad day, but you need to surround yourself with people that allow you to have a bad day so that you can have it, but they won't leave you there. Yeah, I like that. That they allow you to have the bad day, but they don't leave you there. Yeah. I like that. That's a really good um, like distinction. Can you talk to, because you said that you are vulnerable and communicative with your wife. Mm-hmm. So part of what you're doing is you're taking the ownership to be open and honest, but she's also holding that space for you. Yeah. Right. So what do you think from your learned experience, advice, whatever, something your wife does, how can women, whether they're married friendships, whatever holds space for men to show their feelings? Yeah. I regularly joke with Jessica that I would love to do a marriage conference, like speak at a marriage or like, but like no Mm -hmm. one would ever, invite us to come because it's much easier to give people like a programmatic way of going about marriage. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, these are your roles. These are your roles. These are your responsibilities. These are your responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what this person, you know, so do these seven things, do these seven things. I think the way we hold space is we view, first off, we view each other as equals. So again, so some of our theology plays into this, like what we believe about God and how things have worked out. Mm. But that's philosophical, right? Philosophical things may be helpful and informative for practical situations, but they're very bad practical problem solvers. (laughs) So on a practical level, we're equal, meaning like I I have to hold space for her too, and she has to hold space for me, and you have to commit to doing that and then asking your partner, okay, how did that go? Afterwards, you ask that. Did I do that well? Was I empathetic That's a good enough? Tip. Was I sent like instead of like because it is a win doing it, but then getting feedback, feedback. after like huh. so you do it better the next time because like you know that. it's crazy. Then she'll do that for me, or and I'll do that for her. Like mm-hmm. so, one is like my wife can hold space, but she's also really good. <laughs> I go and that's all I can take. So when we're talking, so she'll about, say that. Oh yeah, and I'll say it like okay, I'm done. Like mm-hmm. not done. Like I need to throw away this conversation da, da, da. but like I've officially reached my limit huh. 
And then that other person has to respect that as well. Yeah. And that's not when you start getting condescending and, oh, so you can't take it. You're just going to run away from me. Yeah. Um, so one, yeah, get the feedback, like hold the space and then get better. But the other piece is like admit when you're hitting your limit, when it's going to become I like that too. Personal. And then the third is trust the partner's gut. So I can't go into all of these details. <laughs> but we were um, out of town and we were just hanging out. Nothing too crazy. But my wife just wanted to go. She just wanted to go back to the hotel. Mm. Like nothing terrible or awful was going on. But she was she hit her limit. She was like, I'm good. I'm not comfortable here. It's not my thing. I just want to go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you're lame. Like, I might have even said that. Like, come on. This is fun. Uh, and she was like, I just don't like it. I just want to go. And we ended up going, and and I didn't give her the space just to be able to, like, m- like make the call hmm. at that point. And I should have. Would I kinda, you be okay, like, if she went and then you stayed? Or what well, is that yeah, like? Yeah, for, I guess it was, like, a weekend away. So it was, like, okay. we just wanted to be together. Yeah, yeah. Um, other times she's been like, go hang out. Like, mm-hmm. that's fine. But this was like, no, we're together. I just feel, I just would like to go. And this is the other piece about this holding space thing is you just have to trust your partner's gut or your partner's like, I just want to go, or I just don't want to stay here. Or I would like to go. Hmm. And when you're not feeling like it and he or she is, Sometimes you just need to go do it because there there's something in them that says, I would like to go do this. Something in them saying, I want to stop doing this. Something in them that mm. says, I think this is what we should do. Because more than likely within the next seven days, you're going to need that same level of trust from them. Yeah. So the next day we kind of talked about it. And she was like, this was, hurt. this was hurtful. I felt like you weren't valuing me. And I was like, you know what? You're 100%. And at that moment, I knew I probably could guilt you back in. I was like, that was wrong. And I asked for forgiveness, apologized quickly. And we just made a we just made a rule. Like when one person says, My gut is saying blank, that we're gonna trust it. Dude, I love that man. Like you guys, yeah, it sounds just like radical honesty communicating is just because that's like no matter what happens, you can talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's I really want to talk about this or I don't want to talk about this or anywhere in between. Right. That's cool. And that takes years. Mm-hmm. It takes years to develop, but it can't happen accidentally. And it can't happen without practice. And I would say that our communication really took off, you know, in the last three or f- uh, Titus is five. So, yeah, five years. Um, Because it would be really easy to dial it in and just say, let's just get through life until the kids are gone. Yeah. And then, you know, 18 years later. Who are you? Um, here's a, uh, can I give a random tip that you didn't ask for? Dude, please. So when I talk to married <laughs> couples, um, like in a public setting, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about art of the conversation, one of the things about art of the conversation is the first part of a conversation is curiosity. You'll never have a conversation about something or with someone that you are not first curious about. Yeah. Right? Every podcast <laughs> guest you've ever had, uh-huh. you are curious about something, whether about them the, or about. The best conversations is when I'm curi- when you're, curious. When you're curious. Yeah. So it's the foundation of every conversation. And I generally say that uh, curiosity um, is the fastest thing to go in a marriage relationship because you, because you become complacent yeah. with the person. And I, I, I tell couples, I can tell 100%. Like, I am never wrong. Uh-huh. I can 
tell if you are curious or complacent about your spouse by asking you one question. Ooh. And what is the question? <laughs> what are you going to get your wife for Christmas? What are you going to get your husband for Christmas? And if the phrase, I don't know, comes out of your mouth, for the last 364 days, you've not been curious about them. Interesting. How do you live with somebody for that long? Watch them get dressed every morning. Watch them shave, shower, and shampoo. Watch them say, <laughs> watch Stephen go, oh, that'd be really nice. Listen to them talk about trip, trips, hopes, and dreams. And Christmas comes around where you're supposed to buy them a gift. And when somebody asks you, what are you getting them? And you say, I don't know. What if you ask on December 26th? I still know. I still know what I'm going to get my wife next year. Now, you really do. Yeah. Now, resources That's is a, diff- resources is a mm-hmm. different thing. Like, I may not have the resources in a year to get it. But like a dream. But I do know what I would like to get her. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I've got the next <laughs> five dates planned. Dude, let's the go. the next two trips. Well, because if I want to be intentional, like, you've got to. I love that, bro. So good example. So I would just say that guys, if you're watching this and gals, everyone and, and everyone in between, right? Whoever's watching this, here's the deal. If you want to have open communication with your partner, if you want a genuine, authentic feelings can be just laid out type relationship. If you want that one, you have to go first and model it. But two, you have to respect and trust and practice and be intentional every time you get a chance. And the moment you feel like you're hitting a slump, it's time to get out of town or staycation or in-house date and figure it out. But none of this is going to happen because you willed it, hoped it, read a book, watched Oprah, went to a conference. Like none of that BS. Hmm. Like it's going to be helpful, but you got to do the work. Hmm. You got to do the work. Um, and if you do it, yeah, you'll have it. And we're continuing to grow and learn. But... That's cute. Um, dude, I love that. Dude, this has been awesome. So we're getting close to winding down. Close? Okay. Close-ish. So I have a segment in my show that's called Scroll My Soul. Oh. <laughs> okay. I've never seen this part of it. I can't. This is going to be fascinating. <clears throat> so what it means is I take a bunch of notes, whether like quotes, inspirations, conversations, discussions. I just keep a list, right? Like we all do. I okay. really like that thought. Right. Write it down, and then in the conversations, I randomly scroll through. I pick something, so it's like random thought roulette, and then you tell me what you think about it, how you feel, okay, differ, whatever, cool. just how it resonates with you. Okay, how many topics? Just one, or just one? Fun? Or oh. we can do more. Whatever I can you do feel. as many as you want. You're in charge. <laughs> I'm just open. I can run my mouth, as we right. talked about before. <laughs> yeah. So you'll recognize this one. Yeah. I, I just really like this. I am still naive enough to think I can change the world. Yeah. So that was you. That was me. It's one of my favorite <laughs> I'm quotes. I'm still naive enough to think I can change the world. So why I like this so much and why I want to hear your thoughts on it is because I've definitely said I want to change the world. But then I've also thought like, well, who, like what, like who am I to change the world? So yeah. what are your thoughts? Like I love that thought process. So delve into it. Yeah. I, so I still think I can change the world, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason I say I, I'm still naive enough to think I'm changing the world is I'm okay with what I don't know and I'm okay with what I do know, but what I'm not okay with is all of the what ifs stopping me. Mm. Like like even you said it, like I'm still naive. I want to change the world, but what about this? And what if that? And who am I? Yeah, stop it. Like stop that. <laughs> Be naive about it. Yeah. Be naive. Like I'm still naive enough to think I can change the world. Like I still actually think nothing can stop me from changing the world. 
There's nothing that can stop me. Who? Um, huh. I can still mm-hmm. do it. I can still, like, I get up about between 5 and 5.20 every day. Because I think that will help me change the world. Oh, John, that's ridiculous. Okay, that's fine. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm i still naive enough. Like, I, I, I'm still good with having those childhood dreams that say, yeah, I can do something great. I love that. And I don't need the adult baggage that tells me I can't and all the what ifs and what, you know, this could happen. And what about this? I mean, I get enough of that thinking about what I'm doing. Like, you know, am I going to have food on the table with my kids? But like, I'm still not even enough to think I'm changing the world. I don't let my brain get so weighed down that that ever, that ever stops. So I want that childhood Mm. naivety that says, yeah, I can change the world. I can be an astronaut. I can be a professional basketball player. Yeah, I can. Um, so yeah, I, I love that, that pretty strong. Do you put any, so how do you raise your kids with this, right? Like, do you put realistic expectations on them? Do you tell them you can do anything? How, what does that look like? Yeah. So we are very honest parents, like community, like we let our kids mm-hmm. communicate. Like some parents get thrown off. Like your kid's being disrespectful. I'm like, no, my kid's being four. Like he's trying to figure stuff out. Mm. So I can tell him to shut his mouth and just obey and he won't learn anything. Or I could try to actually get out of his brain what he's thinking. Um, so we listen to our kids a lot. We ask our kids questions. And we let our qu- kids ask us questions. We let our kids challenge us because mm. they got to learn. So we got to yeah. model all of this. So um, to your point, probably the most um, easy way to answer is Titus is in karate now. Loves his karate class. Mm-hmm. And we were at the dinner table um, a couple weeks ago. And he said, Daddy, I know what I want to be when I grow up. I was like, great. What do you want to be? He's like, I want to be Mr. Steven, which is his karate instructor. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, great. He's like, how do I do that? I said, okay, but listen, here's the deal. You're going to have to work really hard. I was like, but what do you think needs to happen before you become Mr. Steven? He's like, I need to become one of the the young student instructors in blue. I said, okay. Hmm. Do you think you can do that? He's like, what do I have to do? I was like, you have to work hard. You got to earn these belts. So, but you know what? Actually, I don't know. You probably should go ask one of them. Mm. He's like, okay. I was like, well, here's the deal, dude. You'll never get there if you don't work and just stay on track. He's like, okay, that's what I want. I said, okay, your mom and I are here to help you get there. That's what you want. We're here to help you get there. Mm. Um, If so, like what we raised them by listening to them. Them, okay, we can help you with that. Now, if he says, I want to fly, <laughs> I'll say, all right, cool. Like you or like in a plane. If he's like, I want to fly. I want to jump off the roof and fly. <clears throat> yeah, no, mm-hmm. of course you can't do anything. Like I can do all <laughs> things. No, that you can't. You mm-hmm. can't fly. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so we would have that conversation, but it would be like, however, dude, no one thought an airplane can get in the sky. No. Nah. And no one thought the earth was round for a while. Like, <laughs> yeah. so if you want to figure out a way to fly, like we're more than happy for you to figure that way out, but we're not going to let you just go do something. So I don't know if that helps, but we do try to keep their dreams and pat. We try not to sn- snuff it out. I think curiosity now, now we're in a whole nother thing, but I think curiosity <laughs> is like one of the first things schools take from kids. Hmm. Um, and I don't blame the teachers. I blame the system. The teachers have to follow the system to be able to keep their jobs. But for the most part, it's just teachers are trying to get their kids to regurgitate information. And the only way to do that is sit down, shut up, and pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we <laughs> homeschool our kids. Because um, we want them to be curious. We want them to push us to be better parents. I think parents, if, if you have parents listening to this, their kids 
are the best people to push them to be better parents, not other parents. I like them. Because their kids know exactly where their flaws are and where they're hurting their kids. And their kids are really wanting to tell them that because no one wants to be hurt. You just have to be willing to be taught by your kid. So, yeah, from a um, still naive enough to think they can change the world, I tell my kids, yeah, if you're willing, if you can dream it and it's humanly possible, yeah, (laughs) you can do it. Dude, I love that. Well, my man, this has been like an extreme privilege. Oh, thanks. Like, seriously, this was really, really awesome. Um, thank you for spending time with me. Of course. We got to do it again really? when you're on the West Coast. I will. I'll be out there. We'll video. We'll video. Do you have anything like on your heart that you're feeling called to speak on right now? I think one of the pieces, so one of my phrases that I use a lot is how many years are you going to waste waiting for permission, wait, waiting for permission to do what you're supposed to do? I'm still mm-hmm. not even enough to change the world. But I think one of the other pieces is that I like people to understand is there's nobody else that will ever be you. No one has been you and no one mm-hmm. will ever again be you. Yeah. I love that too. And you are an artist. You create artwork through your conversations, through your videos. Mm. So yeah, now I'm talking directly to you. <laughs> um, you yeah. are putting out art mm-hmm. and in a world that's going to continue to tell you and everyone watching and listening, Hey, conform to this, give in to this, don't allow your once in a lifetime, once in a, a eternity existence be hindered or halted by other people's small vision for what mm. can actually happen. So go after it. Live your life to the fullest, pursuing what you believe you've been placed on this earth to do because you're the only Ben like you that has been, will be, and don't waste it. Really though, like if you just pause and like think about that, there's literally never ever been a person like you and there never will be. So when you like you're an you it's an unrepeatable miracle. What is it like one in four trillion chances yeah. that you're born? Which and like the lottery, what is like one in fifteen million. So like if you think about those odds, what it's like three thousand times, I think. Yeah. Like I didn't just do that math before, right? but yeah, I've yeah. done it before. <laughs> I know what you mean. I've been there. Like, so yeah, to me, like if you just think about that, man, if you can kind of process that every day, cause yeah, every day is truly like a gift, man. Yep. So you're doing awesome things. Keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Keep my doing man. it. Thanks for having me. I look forward to doing it again. Do you know what? Well, real quick, where do you want, of course, check the show notes, the descriptions, the to follow you yeah. if they want to book you connect with you where's yep. the best spot so uh two place best spot start is the jonathan r parker.com mm-hmm. the jonathan to book talk youtube has a bunch of my videos mm-hmm. um the jonathan r parker uh, and then instagram mm-hmm. you can follow me there and then for all good things really probably the best place to get information on that is at hymns and hops mm-hmm. so on instagram and facebook at hymns and hops and that's growing like crazy. It's growing so like crazy. It. Come into a city near you, hopefully. And then like maybe if someone loves this idea, could they yep. organize it in their city? Like if Yeah, they so we have you? a whole yeah, they can contact they can DM mm-hmm. me directly from Instagram or cool. directly off the off my Instagram page uh-huh. or Facebook or Hymns and Hops. Yeah, and we have a whole process we take people through. Um cool. Proven successful models. So if they want to sing hymns, drink beer. That's great. <laughs> Dope. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Ben. Adios. Appreciate it. See you later.
What's up, y'all? I hope you enjoyed and loved that episode with my man, Jonathan. Please go follow him on social media. He's seriously an incredible dude, so go check him out. And this week's challenge is inspired by Jonathan. So this week, ask your partner, your friends, your family, employees, and or boss what you're amazing at and where you can improve. So this does a couple of things. This tells us what to keep doing more of because you're amazing at it. And it also tells you what you need to stop doing because you're not so great at it. So I'm a believer in that doing more of what you're great at is the better road to go down. And, you know, like stop doing what you're not good at. Unless you want to be great at what you're not great at, then that's different. Then of course do that. So like me rapping to people in the streets at 19 and then Jonathan learning to listen and have a meaningful conversation at age 30, right? It just depends. And it's never too early or too late, right? If it's anyone, it's you. And if it's any time, it's now, like I always say. And make sure to tune in to social media. And if you too, if you stayed this late into the episode, the announcement, the announcement is that I'm actually rebranding. And I'm super excited for this. So tune in to social media to figure out what the new name is. Um, we're giving away, we're having a giveaway slash contest. Um, so make sure you tune in, guess away. I want you guys to be included because I've polled and surveyed you guys. And now I'm going to be aligned with what value I provide you. So remember, if it's anyone, it's you. If it's any time, it's now. I love y'all. Have an amazing week.